Today on the Evangelist Podcast, we're looking at the book of Ruth. The Evangelist Podcast from Revival. Find out what's new in telling people the good news about God, the world and you with Andy Brinkley and Glenn Scrivener. Welcome back to the Evangelist Podcast. Uh, we've uh, been hearing you, Glenn, speak last week from uh, Brighton and CCK. Oh, yes. Yes. On shining and sewing and investing. Yes. Yeah. And uh, so now you're back. I am back from outer space, back from Belfast. So Emma yeah. was over in Belfast speaking at the Presbyterian Women's Convention. Okay. Now, you have never had such firm handshakes in your life <laughs> as from Presbyterian women in Ireland. Nice. <laughs> it's just kind of... Yeah, hand crushes, real hand crushes. Uh, and I was kind of babysitting and chauffeuring and, um, uh, yeah, helping Emma as she spoke there. And then she spoke to some youth groups and, uh, yeah, to Songs of Praise. Right, yes. So they filmed about four and a half hours and they're probably going to edit it down to about four and a half minutes. So. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, so that's... And that'll probably come out, what, September sort of time? <sighs> Who knows? Yeah, 2018 or something. <laughs> I don't know. It'll it'll be a while. It'll be a while. But no, it'll be good and uh, a great opportunity for her to tell a story and, and speak of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, excellent. And uh, how did Bible by the Beach go? Bible by the Beach was sensational. It was definitely the best ever. We've had seven Bible by the Beaches now, and uh, we had Richard Pratt from Third Millennium Ministries. He was the main speaker talking about the unstoppable mission of God. Yeah. And then around him, in terms of the seminar speakers, um, we had a brilliant assembly of um, some of the greatest evangelists in in the country. So Becky Manley Pippet was there, um, Andy Hawthorne was there, Roger Carswell was there, Graham Miller, who we've had on the show before. We've also had Roger Carswell on the show before uh, speaking about evangelism. Um, so it was it was a brilliant um, a brilliant weekend, long weekend, uh, the first bank holiday in May. Yeah. So uh, block that out for next, <laughs> for, next for, for 2016. Uh, come down to the Sunshine Coast and uh, yeah. yeah, and yeah, no, it's a, it's a great time. Excellent. Um, so today we're going to look at uh, the Book of Ruth and uh, mm. tell us how how you sort of came to thinking about this. I heard a sermon last Sunday in Belfast, and uh, someone was speaking about Ruth. And um, and as he mentioned chapter one verse sixteen, I thought this has all sorts of implications for evangelism, right. actually. Okay. Um, so yeah, so one verse sixteen. Uh, so the st- I mean, the story is uh, Naomi and her husband have gone down to um, uh, Moab. to Moab. Um, because there's famine in the land. They're yeah. from Bethlehem, the house of bread, and yet famine hits. Yeah. And it's in the times of the judges, so perhaps we're thinking they're just doing what is right in their own eyes kind of thing. They go down into Moab. Naomi's husband dies. Then Naomi's two sons die, having married uh, two women, having married Orpah and Ruth. And uh, Naomi hears that you know there's food back in Israel, so she's going to go back to Israel. And uh, we sort of pick up the story in uh, chapter 1, verse 15. Uh, Naomi says uh, to Ruth, who's clinging on to Naomi, and she says, See, your sister-in-law Orpah has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Mm. And I thought, that's interesting, and I think it has all kinds of implications for evangelism. Right. 
jolly good. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that uh, verse there that they that featured quite a bit at our our wedding. Okay, because um, uh, there's there's a song that goes along with it. Would you like to <laughs> no, have, no, have no, a few no, verses? No, I wasn't saying that. I wasn't saying that. But uh, <laughs> I don't know how it goes though. Just <laughs> re- refresh my memory. Uh, YouTube. <laughs> okay, all right. We could splice something in at this point. You could claim it. It's your voice. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, what was I saying? Um, yeah. So yeah, there is Ruth. She's kind of um, in Naomi's not her blood relative. No. But uh, you know, there's obviously this really strong bond between mm. mother-in-law and daughter-in-law. Yeah. Massive. And and it is kind of covenant language. She wants to cleave to to yeah. Naomi, and your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Yeah. Um, I looked up the the names just before the podcast. I looked up the the, the um, apparently Orpah means stiff necked. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. She, yeah. The stiff necked one just you. The thing with a stiff neck is that you don't turn to the left or the right. You just keep going in the direction that you're going in. And, and Orpah, she's always known her people. She's always known her gods. That's the way Orpah will go. Mm. Uh, but Ruth finds salvation really by being a companion of Naomi, who belongs to the people of salvation. Mm. And then obviously the kinsman redeemer later, Boaz, will mm. come and redeem her and and. Uh, uh, he will he will pay the price for her to to really belong to Israel, yeah. but the the start of her story is that she decides that she's going to go with Naomi's people and with Naomi's God. Yeah. And I wonder if that dual focus um, could really help us to think about what is conversion yeah. and to really help us with what is evangelism. Okay, so go into that a bit deeper then. What it has to do with evangelism. Well, I think if this is what conversion is, if it's if it's saying your God will be my God and your people will be my people, then conversion means coming both to a new God and to a new people. And therefore, you know, one of the things it means is um, you, we need to consider what our non-Christian friends' gods already are. Yeah. Uh, if our non-Christian friend is currently in the position of being Orpah, then they're, they're, they're sort of stiff-necked. They're going in a certain direction. And it's the people that they've always known, and it's the gods that they've always known. And so what we need to do is is to to think about what what are the gods that our friends and family already have. Uh, interestingly, uh, the Moabite uh, chief deity was Chemosh. Um, and if you look up the meaning of the word Chemosh, it means destroyer. <laughs> So, you know, not a, not a great God, not the friendliest God that you've ever known in your life. And yet, didn't Jesus say, you know, all who have come before me are thieves and they only come to steal and kill and destroy. But he has come to give life and life in all its fullness. But actually, every God outside of Jesus really is a destroyer. Mm. Um, and so that that helps us to have compassion on our non-Christian friends and family Um and it's really interesting how the thinking of Chemosh uh, kind of infects even Naomi's thinking. Because later on in chapter 1, she sort of she goes back to Israel and, and she says, I left Israel full and I went and I became empty and the Lord has turned his hand against me. and he's, I was full, but he has made me empty. That sounds to me a lot more like what Chemosh would do. 
Shemosh the Destroyer takes full people and makes them empty. And, you know, and, and life, according to the way everybody lives it in this world, you live now and then mm. there's the grave. Mm. There's fullness and then there's emptiness. That's what it's like. Um, but actually, our Lord is very different. Actually, through emptiness, he brings us fullness. And actually, the whole story of Naomi, the whole story of Ruth, really, is, is that story of out of hunger, they come to the Lord, to the kinsman redeemer, and they are fed. And from emptiness to fullness, that's the way of the Lord. But it's just worth, it's worth realizing, as you're talking with your non-Christian friends and family, they already have a God. They already have a people. And, and the people that they belong to is a, a people defined by that kind of God. And so their life philosophy will be from fullness to emptiness. Will be get as much out of life now because the grave awaits. Mm. Um, that's their God. And unfortunately, their God is a destroyer. Mm. Um, we have a new God to offer them. What do you mean by a new God? Well, I, th- I think it's worth knowing that everybody does have a God. And, and conversion is always a conversion from one God or many gods to the true God. Um, and that, that means we, we must be presenting Jesus as a different God. Mm. He is different to the God that people had always you know, grown up with. So often in evangelism, we think that if somebody believes in some kind of gods, we think, oh, brilliant, that's sort of common ground that we have between this other person. But of course, in the book of Ruth, you'd never think, oh, well, Orpah's got a God. And Naomi's got a God. They've both got gods. They've got common ground. Of course, no one in the Old Testament thinks like that. Mm. They think, well, which God? Which God are you talking about? Because Orpah's thinking about Chemosh, and Naomi's thinking about the Lord, Yahweh. Uh, And so we just always need to be making that really clear distinction between God, whoever God might be, Mm. and Jesus, and the God who Jesus reveals. Um, So we, we need to be proclaiming this new and surprising God called Jesus to people. Um, because even if they say that they believe in God, the God that they actually believe in, if it's not Jesus, the God they believe in is a destroyer, <laughs> a life sucker uh, rather than the life giver. So we always need to be talking about Jesus and, and we always need to be recommending our God. Mm. Um, I, I love that, that you know, Naomi, um, uh, Ruth is able to say to Naomi, I want your God to be my God. There's something she's, she's seen that there's something about Naomi has a God mm. and her God is attractive. I think, we might, I think in evangelism we need to make that as a, as a great priority, that the God I'm recommending is my God mm. and he's an attractive God unlike your God. Evangelism is always about recommending our God, yeah. isn't it? it? It certainly ought to be. Like, like it, it certainly ought to be. But I find that even even in my evangelism, I I promote all sorts of other things, not God. So I can talk for ages about a Christian worldview. I can talk for ages about certain benefits of the gospel (laughs) that you get, like forgiveness and eternal life and feelings of purpose in life and all that sort of stuff. And I can can talk about all sorts of stuff other than God Mm. in evangelism and... You know, you can even get caught up in, you know, the existence of some kind of deity or not. All sorts of things we can talk about in evangelism that aren't, are not talking about, here is my God. Um, even you can talk about the gospel without talking about the God of the gospel. Hmm. You can even talk about the substitutionary atonement and your sins are laid on Christ and his righteousness is given to you. And, 
and that's great, and, and we need to be preaching the gospel. But if we're not preaching the God of the gospel, then we're just sharing an idea, really, rather than recommending, I have a God. You know, I know Jesus, mm. and he's been faithful to me throughout yeah. my life. Let me tell you about that. Yeah. So that people are attracted by our gods mm. and not not just interested by our ideas, mm. which is so often what evangelism can be. And Making it personal. And, yeah. Uh, I mean, sometimes evangelism has a tendency to default down to like an argument about evidence and, yeah. you know, about uh, authenticity of the Bible. And it yeah. you know, yeah, just yeah. kind of tumbles yeah. down into yeah. arguments about... Uh, Things. About ideas, yeah. about things, rather than the, yeah, the person who is Jesus, who I know, who yeah. is my God, and who is worth following. And that's why a testimony makes it so powerful. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> I don't know all the answers, but yeah. this is what God did, has done for me. You know, yeah. And it's interesting that so, so often testimonies are thought of as kind of less theologically sound than sharing <laughs> the gospel. But in this sense, I think if a testimony, if in a testimony you're able to say, this is my Jesus who has gotten me through this mm. and this and this in life, and he is my God, don't you want him to be your God too? Mm. Actually, the testimony can be more theological than just unpacking certain elements of the gospel mm. and saying, do you agree with this view of the world or not? Um, so, yeah, I'd never, I'd never thought about it in those terms, but I think, I think sometimes testimonies... Um, can really highlight that my God bit yeah. of it, where actually just sharing the gospel, can, you can end up sharing ideas mm. rather than my God. So, yeah. yeah. And, and on top of the testimony, I also recommend that you know, people get used to finishing the sentence, that's what I love about Jesus. Yeah. Um, that's what I love about Jesus. And like, if you're reading Ruth 1, what do you love about Jesus? Our God is not a destroyer. Mm who takes us from fullness to emptiness. Our God is this strange God who meets us in emptiness and takes us from emptiness to fullness. Yeah. And that's not always comfortable yeah. um, because maybe he'll take us into situations of hunger and that kind of thing. But I love, what I love about Jesus is that he meets us in that hunger and he proves himself to be a satisfying bread of life and his future for us is completely good. Yeah. Um, I, I love that with Jesus there's a happy ending, and with no other God is that true. Mm. There's no other happy ending like the happy ending that Jesus gives. That's what I love about Jesus. And like we need to be, we need to be able to have those sorts of sentences on our lips, so that people then say, "I want your God to be my God." Yeah. You seem to have a God that's worth knowing. Yeah. Not just you seem to have answers to questions, but you seem to have a God that's worth knowing. I want to know your God. I yeah. think that's, that's what we should be aiming for. Yeah. I mean, Ruth says that your God be my God. Yeah. But she also says that your people be my people. Yeah. So what can we learn from that bit about evangelism? Yeah, that's so key, isn't it? Um, it's not just your God being my God, as, as though Ruth's going to go back into Moab and just start praying to Yahweh rather than Chemosh. Yeah. Um, there's going to have to be a switch of allegiance from her old people to her new people. Yeah. And in ancient times, that meant uh, switching nationality. 
Uh, in New Testament times, it doesn't mean switching nationality because Christ has uh, abolished the dividing wall between Jew and Gentile and, and those national distinctives aren't important. But still, there is a people that we need to belong to. And evangelism is all about not only inviting people to my God, but inviting people to my people. Um, And you actually can't convert to God without converting to his people, which is a real challenge in evangelism because so often, you know, I I meet evangelists who don't even go to church. I meet evangelists who have nothing to do with church. I see evangelists on the street corner and and they're just by themselves. And you say, well, you know, what do you recommend that people do? If they ever, you know, get converted through your ministry and, and, and they, they don't have any idea because that's never happened to them in their life. But they've got literature for people to read and all that sort of stuff. But they don't have a people for, for converts to belong to. Yeah. But that's, that's completely alien to the Bible. In the Bible, yeah. uh, to convert to God is to convert to God's people. Yeah, at the same his, time. his family. Yeah, the, yeah. His body. Yeah. And this was like this really brought home to me um, this week. I had a conversation with a guy who he told me, "Look, I have called out to God um, recently. I've called out to God um, in order to get to know Him, and I'm still waiting for an answer." And I suggested, you know, could it be that our conversation now, because we've been going deeply into, you know, Christianity and what's the meaning of life and all these sorts, sorts of things, and and um, I said, could it be that this conversation is part of the answer to that prayer? And he said, no, I don't want it to be. I don't want it to be that somebody else tells me right. about God. I want, it, I, I want it to be something that I piece together myself. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's the, that's not the way it works. If God was just the God of the hippies and he was groovy and he was like this w- wonderful vibe, then maybe getting to know this God means having a lovely vibe, you know, like having a warm, fuzzy feeling in your heart. And that's what it would mean to meet such a God. But that's not who God is. Like, what if God is a family of love and the father sends the son into the world to extend the family? If that's who God is, then getting to know him just irreducibly means getting to know his family, getting to know church, um, and you just can't divide divide up God and people in that sort of way, and 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 therefore it's going to mean for this guy um, humbling himself in order to submit to mm. people and allow people to tell him the gospel, and allow people to introduce him to the life of faith. Um, there's no real way away, around that. Um, to invite people to my God, you've also got to invite them to my people. Mm. And that's why in evangelism I also get people to think about the, the, the saying, that's what I love about my church. Um, not just that's what I love about Jesus, but that's what I love about my church. And hopefully people have a way of finishing that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> um, which again is not always the case, is it? Um, so often in evangelism people kind of poo-poo the church or sidestep the church, minimize the church, just end up spending their whole time apologizing for the church. Um and saying, oh, yeah, but forget about the church. Let's just talk about Jesus. Mm. Um, and I can understand that. You know, like if you're talking about the Crusades, you want to say, well, look, I'm, I'm not sure that everything that was done under, under the banner of Christ was actually literally done in Jesus' name. And you've got to look to Jesus to figure mm. out what is faithful 
following of Jesus. Don't don't always look to those who claim to be following Jesus. It's not as though they necessarily are following Jesus. You need to look to Jesus to figure out whether somebody is faithfully following Jesus. But if somebody is faithfully following Jesus, then we can't be we can't be ashamed of church. Mm. Um, and it needs to be a big part of our evangelism, saying that's what I love about church. And you know, and, and it's a challenge in our evangelism to to talk up church all that we can. And but you know, I've, I often shared you know one one story about um, you know when when our car broke down and, and people put four hundred pounds through the through the letterbox to pay for um, you know the car. I phoned up the mechanic the next day, and the mechanic said, um, "You're not going to like this. The car's going to cost four hundred quid to fix." And I sort of thought, well, here's, here's an opportunity to witness. So I said, actually, anonymously, we were given £400 by some <laughs> member in our church. And he was not so much uh, blown away by the fact that the 400 figure matched, matched the 400 figure. What he was most blown away by was that there's a, there's a community of people that would give money like that. Um, <laughs> when can I join? <laughs> yeah, when can I join? Sign me up. Um, so I'm sure there were mixed motives there. But, <laughs> but the miracle of a church family was even more important to him than the miracle of just the 400 match, matches the 400 figure. Mm. Um, and that's, that's interesting. I think we need to be talking up church so much more that we're not just inviting people to my God. Yeah. We should be inviting people to my God, but we should also be inviting people to my people. Yeah. Uh, and when people are introduced to our God and to our people, that's where salvation happens. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, well, we'll leave it there for, for this time, and uh, we'll go on to something new Yes. next time. Yes, Listen I've, got some, I've got some ideas brewing. Good. Yeah. So if you have any comments about uh, this episode, you can go to our new website, which is speaklife.org.uk slash TEP95. That will take you directly to the, the page for this episode. Uh, on there we'll have the links for you to share it and sign up uh, subscribe regularly and if you'd like to give us a rating review be very uh, pleased if you could do that for us so that's it thanks very much and see you next time thanks so much bye bye